We want to welcome you to our services tonight here at Delreda. We are thankful that you've taken the time to tune in to uh, the third installment of our summer series. And uh, we've had a great series so far. Uh, we're doing this strictly in-house, and the lessons thus far have been outstanding. Just a couple of reminders uh, that I want to pass along to you. We have two trucks that are arriving tomorrow between 4.30 and 5 with supplies that we're going to be shipping out to various locations. And if you can help unload these trucks, please come to the warehouse tomorrow afternoon. Our uh, summer series is going to continue next Wednesday night. Uh, Bill Johnson is going to be speaking on Peter. Next Wednesday night, we hope to have a, a crowd here because we will begin and we will have begun our in-person meeting. In-person meeting. So please keep that in mind. Uh, which reminds me that this coming Sunday is the date that our elders have set aside for us to meet in person. I, for one, am very excited about Sunday, and I'm looking forward to our being together. I want to encourage you to check out our website at delreda.org to look at some of the things that the elders have uh, mentioned that we need to be prepared for in regard to this coming Sunday, regarding you know how we seat, sit, and so forth. Also, uh, you are encouraged uh, to bring your own uh, bread and juice for the Lord's Supper. So let's look forward to being together this coming Sunday. Also, tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow afternoon, I will be sending out uh, another uh, Delreda News and Notes. Uh, we'll have updated uh, news regarding the sick and other information. If you've got something to be included in that, uh, you can uh, email me at dougpreacher at yahoo.com. Uh, tonight, uh, for our summer series, we are happy to have the very scholarly youth minister, Will Tucker. Uh, he's going to be talking about John the Baptist. Will always does a, a fantastic job. And uh, following a prayer that I'm going to lead, then we'll turn the services over to him. Let's pray. Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the day. We're thankful for uh, the rain that you blessed us with. Uh, in a time of uncertainty that we live in today, we are so thankful that we can depend upon you and we acknowledge your power, and we acknowledge that you are in control. Father, there are many people on our minds uh, tonight that are sick, uh, those that are very special to us, that need our prayers. We pray, Father, that you would bless them as only you can. Uh, we pray for our country, Father. We pray for peace. And uh, we are so thankful for all blessings that uh, you give us, but especially those blessings that we enjoy in Christ Jesus. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen. All right. 
Well, thank you, Doug, uh, for that. Uh, just that uh, very nice things you had to say about me being scholarly. Hopefully, I can keep Doug's attention for the next uh, 30 minutes or so, and he won't go to sleep on me or anything like that. Um, I do have a few friends in the audience tonight from the youth group, so we're all distancing ourselves, and they're here tonight to support me. I appreciate them being here. Um, I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, everybody that is tuning in tonight, uh, it's a joy to be able to speak with you this evening as we continue our study and series over the great lessons from the New Testament characters. Uh, Doug put, it, put together a really good list of teachers and uh, topics, and I appreciate him doing this on such short notice. And we look forward to hearing more great lessons, especially next Wednesday night with Brother Bill speaking. As Doug mentioned, I hope you're as excited as I am about coming back together this Sunday. It has been a long time since I've seen all your faces, and I'm looking forward to it, um, to be with you again. I look forward to singing together. I really miss that. Uh, not that we do a bad job with it at home. Uh, we do a very good job with it. Uh, our boys have really enjoyed singing out at home, and I hope they continue to do it here uh, once we get back together on Sunday. I want to jump right into our lesson tonight, just because of time limits. Uh, tonight, we're going to be looking at a character that is very familiar to all of us. Uh, tonight, this character is known by many titles. Some call him John the Baptist. Some call him John the Baptizer. John the Immerser. John the Forerunner of Jesus. And I even had one of my colleagues say, just call him John the Dunker, because he dunked a lot of people and immersed them in the waters of baptism. So there's that. Yet perhaps the greatest title that John was ever given was from his own cousin, Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 11, as you see on the slide behind us, Jesus, when speaking of John the Baptist, says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. John the Great, as Jesus would say about him, what greater honor and appreciation can be given to the Savior, the Messiah, calling you great within the text of the Scriptures? To be recognized as Messiah and be spoken so well of, what a character John the Baptist must have been and what qualities he must have possessed throughout his lifetime to be given such, uh, such admiration by our Lord. And so that leads us to our point tonight. Tonight what I want to do is look at two objectives. We're going to look at four qualities John the Baptist had that showed his greatness in the eyes of the Lord. What are at least four things that John displayed oftentimes throughout his life that, the, that led the Lord to say that he was a great individual? Number two, when we take a look at these four aspects, these four qualities, we're going to build some applications from them in order for us to see that we can be great in the kingdom as well. And so let's go ahead and jump right into it tonight. All of the qualities tonight we're going to look at start with letter P, so it'll be easy if you're taking notes. But here's the first quality we want to talk about with John the Baptist. Number one, John the Baptist was a prepared individual. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and be looking in the Old Testament with me. Some of them will be on the screen for you tonight. As we read some passages concerning the Lord's preparation for John the Baptist. And you have to go all the way back to the book of Isaiah in order to see the prophecies concerning about John the Baptist. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5 says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. 
And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messengers of, his cov- of the covenant in whom you delight, Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. In Malachi chapter 4 verses 5 and 6 say, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord come. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. In these prophecies concerning John the Baptist, we find a word that best describes him, and it's prepared. Isaiah says he will be the voice preparing the way for the Lord. Malachi said, He is the Lord's messenger preparing the way before me. It had been a long 400 years of silence. From the time Malachi put down the pen and finished in his book to the time the angel Gabriel appeared unto Zechariah in the temple, there was no record of communicating, there was no record of the Lord communicating with his people. The silence seemed deafening at times, and the ways of the people seemed lost and weary. Yet all that was about to change as God was preparing the way to have his messenger John the Baptist, the new Elijah, as stated in Luke chapter 1 and verse 17, to make ready and to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. In John chapter 1 and verse 7 says, in speaking of John the Baptist, he came as a witness. He was a witness about the light, and that all might believe through him. So after 400 years of silence, It's broken with God delivering the news to Zechariah to share with his wife that their years of praying and their years of pleading for a child have been answered. For God knew that it would take two precious souls to help prepare the mind for the messenger of God. Luke says it best in describing John the Baptist's parents in Luke chapter 1 and verse 6. Concerning Zechariah and Elizabeth, Luke, Luke writes, They were both righteous before the Lord walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. These two parents were handpicked in order to raise the messenger of God. God selected them, God heard their prayers, God seen their faithfulness and their righteousness before Him, and He handpicked these two people to deliver His messenger and to prepare His mind. They were wonderful parents and they were up to the task, and the task was, I need you to prepare the messenger of God. And prepared them or prepared him, they did. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 1, verses 76 and 79 says, Zechariah speaks or prophesies concerning his child. He says this, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. You see, John the Baptist's parents had heard the prophecies that had been spoken. They had heard the stories about there is a messenger that is to come. They would seen the iniquity of the people far too long and they had been waiting for this moment for a deliverer to come. And they would have the responsibility in preparing their son, John the Baptist, to be that voice crying in the wilderness. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 80 says, 
And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until his day of his public appearance to Israel. John the Baptist was a prepared individual. He was prepared by God. He was prepared by his parents. And he rose to the occasion when it was his turn. The second part, the second characteristic or quality we're going to look at with John the Baptist is John the Baptist was a very practical person and a practical individual. He lived a practical life in order to keep his mission his main focus. He wasn't overly concerned about his appearance, his recreation, his lodging, his money, his food, or his clothes. That didn't matter to him, for he had one goal on his mind. And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. If you skip down to verse 4, it tells you in detail what John really looked like. It said, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. That's it. The man literally sat by the campfire at night. He stretched out on his, his Eno or whatever bed he had back then. He bathed in the river when he wanted to. He slapped on his camel hair shirt and he filled his belly with honey and locusts. And then he went to work. If you're an outdoorsman, then John the Baptist was your type of individual. I'm sure he was an interesting man. I'm sure he had all kinds of stories to tell. He didn't, though. He did not let the everyday trends or fads steer his lifestyle. He was very practical in how he lived his life. And I googled the phrase practical uh, in order to see what it had to say. And I thought this phrase or this sentence about practicality summed up John the Baptist's life very well. He was grounded in the sense, or here, here's what the phrase says. A practical person is a realist. If a practical person has anything, it is a very well-grounded sense of reality. I thought this definition fit pretty well with John the Baptist's life. He was grounded in the sense of reality. And the reality was that I am here to prepare the way of the Messiah. I have one goal in life, and that is for people to know who the Messiah is and that He's coming, and that you cannot miss Him. For we had waited for 400 years for His coming, and it's coming soon, was His message. His message was very simple. The Messiah is coming. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter 3, in verse 2. He didn't get all fancied up. He didn't care how big or little His audience was. He didn't change his mind to fit a certain group of people he preached to. His mind was focused on not on the number of responses he had, nor his delivery of his message. John the Baptist lived a very practical life in order to keep his mind focused on the mission he had been given. To preach repentance and baptism. Prepare the minds of the children of Israel for the coming Messiah. And that leads us to our third point. And the third point, a third quality John the Baptist had was he was powerful. And you might think, well, Will, his, he was powerful in what he preached and what he said. Yes, of course that's true, and that's what I'm getting to. Although he may have lived a powerful or practical life, his message and his preaching were powerful. In Luke chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn, the heart of, to turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. 
In Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, this is one of our lengthier readings here. It really shows the power of John the Baptist preaching and what his message was. It says, He went to all the region around Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. If you skip down to verse 7, it says, He said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, Ye brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, well, What shall we do then? And he answered and said to them, Whoever has two tunics, share with the one who has none. Whoever has food, you do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you're authorized to collect. Soldiers came and asked him, What shall we do? And he said to them, Do not exhort money from anyone by threats or false accusation. Be content with your wages. And as the people were in expectation, and all were questioned in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of his sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hands to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. John's message reached people far and wide. For you see in this passage, the commoners came out to hear him. The religious leaders of the day came out to hear him. The rich, the poor, the tax collectors, the soldiers... The crowds continued to grow because of his message of repentance and baptism was a breath of fresh air for the first time in a long time. He told the people it was time to make a change for the better. It was time to clear the road of the sinful obstacles that stood in front of them and to walk down the pathway to righteousness once again. It was time for repentance and a course correction. It was time to bear fruit and let the people know that the Messiah was coming and the prophesied kingdom of the church was not far behind Him as well. These people had waited for years to hear this good news and they were responding to it. For as Isaiah prophesied all the way back in Isaiah 40 verses 3-5, through 5, John the Baptist was sent to make straight, a, straight in the desert a highway for our God to travel on. John the Baptist's message was powerful because he spoke of the one who would change the entire world. He spoke of the coming kingdom that would reign forever. People who had lost hope were finding it once again. And the crowds began to grow more and more each day. And that leads us to our last point. And all these points we led up to leads to this one. John the Baptist was a very poised individual. He had prepared for this moment proclaiming the Messiah and the coming kingdom. His practical lifestyle kept his mind focused on the mission at hand. His powerful message that he brought, his powerful message had brought numerous individuals to the wilderness searching for answers and hope. Yet he would have to remain poised in order to accomplish his duty as the critics began to show up. 
In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 5, you see it take place. It says there, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and the regions around the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptizing, or they, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But then he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come into his baptism. And he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? It seemed odd to the Pharisees and Sadducees to see such great crowds flock to the wilderness to hear the so-called prophet. Oh, they had seen other prophets come and go throughout the city. They've seen them stroll in for a few days, maybe a few weeks or even some months, then come into the city and prophesy, and then they would leave. And the crowds would, would fall for a little while, and then it would just die down like it usually did. And then the Sadducees and then the Pharisees would once again practice their traditions and customs, and they would again once reign as the two main sects of Jewish leaders they would decide for the they would see the people as lower than them. Yet something was different about John the Baptist, and people would flock to the wilderness to see him. And this day they went to check out what was happening. The Sadducees and the Pharisees went to see what all the hype was about. Yet their hearts, as John pointed out, were full of hypocrisy still. For the Pharisees and Sadducees had established themselves as the prominent Jewish leaders, religious leaders of the day. They came to investigate and to see what was taking place and under whose authority John had to proclaim such a message and teaching a baptism. Who gave you permission to talk to these people like this? Point was, they were jealous that John's popularity and his message were gaining the interest of the people as their own popularity began to shrink. Yet John the Baptist stood his ground and he pointed out the error of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and he continued to preach the people. He continued to preach about the coming Messiah in repentance and baptism. On the other note is John remained poised in his stand for the truth. In Matthew chapter 14, we see John's stance for truth while facing the ruler Herod. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 3 says this, for Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her as your wife. He had spoken with Herod concerning his new wife Herodias. And he told Herod, listen, it's unlawful for you to marry this woman. It wasn't right in the sight of God. And Herod probably knew that too. And I imagine standing in front of the ruler of the day and breaking the news that his relationship with his new wife is unlawful in the eyes of the Lord. What could have been going through John's mind as he's telling this news to this ruler, Herod? Would I be locked up? Would I be thrown in prison and left for dead? What's going to happen to me when I break this news? And many times it seems like when there is news like this to break or when we are responsible to go into people and letting them know the truth about things, it's very difficult for us to do. But yet John still stood his ground. He remained posed, poised. Thus his stance for the truth resulted in his imprisonment and resulted ultimately in his death. Yet in all this, he was poised during his time of criticism, his stand for the truth, and even in his imprisonment. John not only understood his role as a forerunner of Jesus Christ, 
but he desired to serve God with all his heart and to pave the way for the coming Messiah. He did his job very well. He is known as great in the kingdom, as Matthew chapter 11 said. He is known as the greatest born of woman, as his cousin Jesus said. Here's some applications I want us to look at very quickly as we wrap up tonight. He was prepared, he was practical, his message was powerful, and he was poised. These are the four qualities amongst several others that led to Jesus' statement of John the Baptist. He was great in the eyes of the Lord and a faithful servant to the end of his life. So where does that lead us today? If we want to be considered great in the eyes of the Lord, if we want to do great things for the kingdom of God, we need to put these same principles and these same characteristics that John had and plug them into our own lives. Here's what I mean. Number one, we need to be prepared. We need to prepare ourselves for what's coming ahead. If you want to be considered great in the eyes of the Lord, then you must be prepared to serve in His kingdom. From the time of His birth, John the Baptist was preparing for His mission. His parents took it to heart preparing Him, and John grew each passing day in the knowledge of God. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 80 said that he grew and became strong in spirit until his public appearance in the wilderness. The question we have to need to ask ourselves tonight is what are we doing preparing our children and ourselves for spiritual success? The past three months, the family has spent much more time together than they have in a long time. Although we haven't been able to assemble together and we look forward to it on Sunday, and we enjoy our normal Bible class settings. They've been absent for the past three months in a sense. But yet I've been very encouraged to see many families engaging in spiritual conversations and studies with their children throughout this time. Families are having discussions about the lessons that have been presented online. Dads have led Bible studies with their families. Boys, Young boys have led their family in singing and in prayers. The family has continued in studying with one another. And the church has kept growing during this pandemic. Even within our own Delrada family, we've had two of our teens obey the gospel and become Christians during this time. Because the spiritual education and the preparation never stops in the household. And I hope as we begin assembling together, once again, that these conversations and these studies will continue on. I hope that we continue to prepare our children and we prepare ourselves in order to be successful in the eyes of God. The second application is this. Live a practical life. In the past three months, life has presented us with some changes. The rush of getting to school, ball practices, traveling, competitions, shopping, etc. Whatever you want to plug in, that was your hobby, or what you did often, perhaps has been put on hold for a time. Perhaps if you're like our family, we've taken many walks. We've been on outdoor adventures, as our kids would call it. We've enjoyed many meals together. We've prayed more. We even rearranged some priorities in our family. Perhaps the past three months, we have taken time to reflect on our spiritual growth and made some new goals. There are many activities and obligations that we tend to keep in life that require much of our time. And while these activities and obligations are important to us, perhaps we realize they're not always essential to our lives. 
Life will still go on without certain things. Yet once we thought we needed these certain things for happiness and satisfaction. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not looking to pack up and head to the wilderness. I'm not going to strap on a, a uh, camel hair one piece suit and walk out to the wilderness and eat grasshoppers. I would like some of that wild honey though. But what I am learning is that I need to be more focused on the goal of spiritual education and proclaiming God's message to my neighbors around me and having those discussions with them. The absence of certain hobbies, activities, entertainment has given me more time to spend with my family and my Lord. And I hope it's done the same for you. Live a practical life. Don't get caught up in all the worldly things around us. For we are here for one purpose. To seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and deliver His message to those who are lost. And that leads us to our third point. You have a powerful message to teach. Just as John's message was powerful in the wilderness, we too have that same message today. <laughs> in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 is very familiar. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. The book that holds today's answer, the book that holds the answers to today's problems is found within our homes. You probably have multiple copies of this book. The Bible addresses issues such as race, relationships, marriage problems, selfishness, loneliness, depression, anxiety, sexual sin, gender roles, identity confusion, and you can go on and on with whatever problem the world presents to us. And it has all the answers there. Yet we need to take time to sit down and study and have those discussions with those who are searching for the solutions within our own community, within our own street, with our neighbors. We just need to trust in the message as John the Baptist once did and proclaim the truth in love. God will take care of the results. And our last point is this. Our last application to draw from John the Baptist. As we said, all three points led up to this last one with John the Baptist. And it's the, the same rings true for us. You must be poised in order to advance the kingdom. As John was preaching in the wilderness, numerous people came to hear his message. People from all aspects of life came to hear the so-called good news of the day, according to Luke chapter 3 and verse 18. He witnessed great results as people began to make, and change, make a change and were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. Yet lurking in the shadows of the crowd, you had those who began to question and criticize his message and intent. Critics and naysayers will always exist in this world. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus addresses the 72 disciples He's about to send out in order to prepare the way for Him in the surrounding region. And He says to these 72 disciples, as He addresses them in Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, He said, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them ahead of Him two by two in every town and place where He Himself was about to go. And He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are very few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord 
of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves. Verse 16 says, The one who hears me, or one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, reject him who sent me. Jesus is telling his followers that the message we proclaim, the good news of Jesus Christ, will not always fall on receptive hearts. Just as John that Baptist experienced trouble with the, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and even the royal family of his day, we too must be ready to experience letdown at times and even rejection. But we know we are not defeated. John the Baptist would give his life for the coming Messiah and his kingdom. 2,000 years later, the church still stands today and will live on for eternity. You may not convert everyone, neither did John. Yet each and every conversation we have with someone is another opportunity to bring hope to someone who may be searching for truth. So continue to have those conversations. Don't count the number of letdowns. Don't count the number of rejections. Rejoice in the open doors and opportunities you receive from the Lord in order to have those discussions of faith with those in our neighborhoods and communities. If you want to be great in the kingdom, if you desire to conquer, to accomplish great things for the Lord, then you must prepare yourself spiritually. Have a practical mindset and keep the focus and reality of reaching the lost. Realize you have a powerful message to share with one another. And know you will need poise in order to continue to advance the kingdom of God. I hope this study has been beneficial to you. I hope you've enjoyed it as I have in preparing for it. Let's close with a word of prayer, and then we'll call it a night. Holy God, our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for another day you've blessed us with. We are grateful for the rain we received this evening. Father, we are grateful for a time of study together. We look forward to Sunday, Father. We look forward to worshiping you and being together, to be able to worship you in spirit and truth and to fellowship with one another. Father, we are grateful for this opportunity ahead of us. Father, we pray earnestly that you would be with our healthcare workers and be with those who are on the front lines, Father, in treating this virus. We pray that you would take it away. And we pray we would give the glory and honor to you. Father, help us to be committed as John the Baptist was. Help us to be great in your kingdom and great in your eyes. Help us not to be proud, Father, but help us to serve daily and reach out to those who need your message of truth and love. Thank you for loving us and providing your son, Jesus. Thank you for the message he came to present for his death on the cross and for his resurrection. And Father, one day we hope to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into heaven. It's our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.